Okay, everybody, uh, welcome to the Mind Hunter Companion. Uh, this is season two, episode five, part two. And just a reminder that uh, Peter and I had to split this episode into two pieces because there is just so much ground covered in this episode. Uh, it's almost a mini movie uh, for for this show. So um, we're going to pick it up right where we left it off at the end of our season two, episode uh, five, part one podcast, where Bill and Holden are at Vacaville, a prison in California, and they have just wrapped up with uh, Ed Kemper, and they are at long last uh, getting their meeting with Charles Manson. Welcome, Peter. Welcome, Doug. Um, and, quite a build-up, uh, uh, quite a build-up for Charles Manson because know. you know, like they've been talking about it uh, since the first season. Right. Well, he's you know he's the white whale. He's you know yep. he's the white whale. But again, just uh, as as Wendy has cautioned them, and has Kemper has cautioned Bill and Holden, Manson never killed anybody. Right. So he's right. he's not their typical animal. Um, so we get a sort of um, Baltimore State Psychiatric Hospital esque scene where Bill and Holden uh, have to walk through a bunch of locked doors um, to get to Manson sort of a la Silence of the Lambs, uh, with lots of cat calls from the prisoners in the background. And for As example, usual. right, the first thing they hear as they sort of walk down the hall is, suck my dick. Right. <laughs> well, I think that that's required of all, anyone who enters a, uh, enters a prison, that's one of the, right. you know, it's like a script. Suck my dick, that's my bitch. And right. then... Uh, fuck you. I'm not telling you, like, I'm just reading these as they go off. It's just, it's just like a chorus. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and you know, Holden is really excited and Bill is not like Bill. Bill does not want to be here. That's also common, but Holden is bordering on starstruck. Yeah. He, yeah, he is. It's a good way to put it. I mean, yeah. you know, when, um, they get put into the room, you know, Bill remarks to him that, you know, he bought a new microphone. Right. You know? it's, he's like, it's oh, like it's going on a posterity. date. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like he bought a new shirt to go on a date, you know, like he's super excited. And then they're debating whether they should talk to Tex Watson, right? One of Manson's yeah. family members who did commit murders. Right. Um, and then there's this little buildup, like when Manson's going to walk in, they have this there's like an empty stage, you know, they, they're looking at through the bars from the interview room and he, you know, while he walks in. So he, it's not, it's like a longer buildup, more dramatic kind of entrance for him yeah. than most people. And then I think very importantly, when he, when Manson enters the room, Holden stands like out of respect, <laughs> Holden stands up and like build. Bill's sitting in the chair with his arms crossed in a very defensive posture. Yeah, and Bill says something like, you know, he's like the the uh, king or something like that, doesn't he? He's, he makes like a comment like, you know, like Manson's the, you know, the the king of the castle or something. Like Bill, Bill's cynical. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, I mean, we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves, but this this interview is really, really it's it's a low point for for Bill. Like Bill really handles himself poorly. Uh, yeah. No, he does. Like he really yeah. acquits himself poorly. 
he does a very bad job like he he becomes unprofessional and really manson manson as we will see manson kind of bests bill in this yeah in this, uh in the scene by the way manson is played by damon harriman who just does a phenomenal job as usual, right? They get great, you know, great character actors in. Yeah, his line, Bill says, Bill's line, and literally his arms are crossed. And he says it in the most cynical tone possible. His line is, quote, like a fucking king, close quote. <laughs> By the way, it's worth noting that Damon Harriman not only plays Charles Manson in Mindhunter, he also plays Charles Manson in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, he's making a little, uh, yeah. little career. Out of that. Talk about typecast. Yikes. <laughs> so Manson comes in shackled, right? They ask for him to be uh, unshackled. Bill is, Bill is just like a gog that Holden is smiling. Like he looks up at Holden and Holden's really happy. You know, yeah. he just kind of gives, uh, he gives Holden a look like, you idiot. You know, like, like close your mouth. <laughs> yeah, Bill is just thoroughly annoyed inappropriately as he said inappropriately yeah. annoyed and then bill just starts right in like manson's not even unshackled and bill s says to him we want to talk about the tate and LaBianca killings and we know you didn't kill anybody um right. and then uh manson just kind of takes over the whole interview from the get-go before he opens his mouth he sits on the back of the chair and he's above them and he establishes a dominant position in the interview before he says one word it's amazing right. like, it's like God, i'm telling you this damon harriman does a fantastic job you know have you seen once upon a time in hollywood no i haven't he's, seen it yet so manson's in it for like two minutes like He's barely in it, but but this is just a really, really great scene. And I mean, this guy really captures Manson. Like I watched leading up to this, I watched a bunch of interviews with Manson. I mean, this guy nailed it. Yeah, yeah. He's sitting there and he and and you know, the thing that's difficult to pull off in this is that there's really there's like we said, there's a huge buildup to Manson's interview, right? And even given the, those high expectations that you have as a viewer, the Manson interview, he, he, he still exceeds your expectations because he, he's coherent and wise in a way, you know, like right. he spouts some BS, but he's also, he also makes a lot of sense. Right. And he, and he sees through bill very quickly. Like yeah, he, he assesses the situation. Yeah. And yeah. he, and he, he's every, almost everything he says about bill is spot on so holden asks if they can record it um and then manson who's got a swastika carved into his forehead famously mm -hmm. that doesn't answer and then bill just sort of starts in on him saying that the other members of the family blamed you for the murders uh whereas other members of the family have uh, protected you yeah um and he says that you maintain the same story over the years. And then Manson just sort of launches into this thing about how I just tell the truth. But right away, Bill and Manson are just locking horns. Yeah. And Manson, he sounds very credible. And, and, and he builds a sort of a coherent argument about the fact that he... All he did was point out truths about society and they took it from there his family they took it from there and went out and did the killings right and and they were the ones you know they were willing to listen 
right? And yeah, like Bill says, you indoctrinated them, and and Manson says, indoctrinated man, come on, you know, he's like, like my children, you know, yeah. you're, you you don't you teach your children. Right, you're teaching your kids every day. Which, you know, and Bill hits home because his kid just, you know, participated in this horrible crime. Well, you know, and and that's the real subtext to the entire interview is, you know, Holden is talking about the Manson family murders, but Bill and Manson very quickly get into an argument and it really is about Brian, the whole thing. And yeah, Bill's son. at a time when Bill is probably, you know, feeling like maybe they've failed their son or they're not doing a good job, Manson just rips into him. And it's it's why Bill does so poorly. Like he's he has no objectivity in this interview at all. Like this most perhaps most important of interviews, Bill blows it. Yeah. Um so uh you know, he's Manson's just sort of says stuff like, Oh, and love, there's no wrong. And Bill's like, well, That's what you taught them, love. And then right away he zeroes in on Bill and he goes, You a family man, Agent Tench? Yeah. You know? Um, and he points out the prison guard behind them and he says, Well, he's a family man too, with his keys and his gun, and he's teaching his children right now. And like all of a sudden, you know, they're ten seconds into this thing and they're talking about children. Yep. Right, rattling Bill. Yep. Right. What are you teaching your kid who just, you know, strung some murdered three-year-old up on a cross? Right. Right. And and he, you know, he's very penetrating in his look, Manson. Like he kind of looks right right at you hard, and he says, you know, look at yourselves, judge the lies you live in to Bill. Yeah. Right. And you know, Manson, if there's one thing he's good at, it's social engineering for lack of a better term right he, he's he's able i mean he was able to round up the family his followers uh you know you can give him more or less um participation in in the murders but he clearly was a cult leader and a, you know a skilled cult leader right right and able to sort of acquire and manipulate these people that's right and, you know, uh, and 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 pick them out and find people who are willing to follow him. Right. So he has he has a uh, clearly has a penetrating ability to assess and um, interview and you know socially and emotionally assess other people, and he, he clearly applies that to Bill. Yeah, correctly. <laughs> yeah, right. Char- Charlie runs the table here. He just yeah. runs the table. Yeah, he's he's on the ball. It's rather um, impressive, and that that you know that's what I say. You know, that's what's so impressive is that, given your high expectations, Manson exceeds them because he he really he's an, it's an impressive assessment and an impressive uh, interaction he has with them. And and you know, Bill is a lifetime FBI agent, and he crumbles. You know, he's yeah. just he's too raw inside, right? And then yep. You know, they get into this argument of, you know, he says to Manson, you taught them what to do. And and Manson's like, I didn't teach him. I just taught him to stood up. And then Bill says they stood up, went out and killed seven innocent people. And Manson's like, oh, it's my fault. Right. 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 And then Bill says, well, it's it's your fault because they're your children. And then Manson immediately turns it right around. And then yeah. he goes, he goes, well, what about your children that you're neglecting? Right. Like. Everything Bill says comes right back in his face. It's like Bill's Bill's playing tennis against, you know, like 
a cement wall, you know, like yeah. it all comes back on. Him. Right. And as, as Samuel L. Jackson says in Pulp Fiction, that's an excellent point. <laughs> um, and then Bill says, well, look, they acted without your approval. They wouldn't have acted without your approval, you know, which right. Manson's not buying. Right. With the, again, every line has double entendre about Bill's kid. You know, yeah. every part of their interaction, you know, that Manson is implicitly saying, look at what, you, you know, you're, so you're responsible for what your kid did. <laughs> and that's what Bill's thinking because he just, because Bill the whole time, you know, obviously he's been thinking about the fact that Brian, his son, saw his case file, you know, with all these horrendous images. Pictures, in yeah. Yeah. So Holden steps in to try to sort of save save this thing you can tell like holden realizes like this is going off the rails right yeah and holden bill pauses to light a cigarette and that gives holden an opportunity and holden jumps in he says let's talk about you know august of 1969 right right let's get down to brass tacks right because this is going this isn't going where we want it to go right uh august 9th uh, 1969 Right. And then Manson doesn't even want to talk about it. He goes, it's gone. It's in the past. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Holden says, well, you told them that now is the time for Helter Skelter. We want to start a race war. Right. And then much to their surprise, Manson denies the whole thing. He says that Bugliosi made that whole thing up. He said, that's just from the prosecutor. Yeah, he said he says Helter Skelter is blown out of proportion, and you know, yeah, he said some things about race relations, but he was nothing. I mean, basically, that was a story they painted to vilify him when they prosecuted him. And then Bill takes out a hardcover version of Helter Skelter and puts it in the table and says, "You're saying it never happened," and Manson says, "No," he says it never happened. He right. said it was just a case; it was a way for them to convict me. Right, because yeah. so he mentions Linda Kasabian, uh, the member of the family who turned state's witness. Um, so sort of the one member of the family that really, really, really turned on Charlie, whereas everybody else stood with him. Right, so he talks about Linda Kasabian, uh, basically told a story to the jury and to the prosecutor, and that's what everybody went with. So he does specifically mention Linda Kasabian by name, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he says that Linda Kasabian would basically say anything because they offered her immunity for seven counts of murder. So right. you're going to believe her because she's just trying to save her skin. Right. Yeah. So then he says, <clears throat> so then Manson is questioned by Bill and Bill says, so you're saying the witness lied. And then Manson turns it around. He says, no, no, no. They just got up and they said what was best for them. Yeah. Right. He said they didn't testify what was best for me. They just did best for them. And he, he kind of questions both Holden and Bill. And he says, You don't believe this Helter Skelter bullshit, do you? Right. right? Like he come like it's ridiculous. Right. <clears throat> um, you know, and he says he, he didn't really want anybody to be killed and didn't instruct specifically any of it. Right. I mean, he admits that he has opinions about blacks and whites and the frictions yeah. they were having. He calls it hassles. Right. Yeah. But he says, I never said anything about starting a race war. Right. So, you know, 
all of a sudden they're in territory that they didn't plan for him. They thought they were going to be talking with Manson about Helter Skelter. And he's, you know, he's pouring water on the whole idea. Right. He's clearly uh, much more (laughs) with it and engaging, I think, than they would have predicted. And prepared. Yes. He's intelligent. yeah. Yeah. He's ready. Like he is ready for their questions. All right. He says, he says that Sadie started hearing messages in the white album. Right. And then that's sort of where a lot of the story came from and the media loved it and sort of ran with it, but he doesn't take credit for Helter Skelter. Right. He says that the DA took Sadie's version, right. Of what he said, not his version of what he said. And he, you know, he basically, he, he takes, tremendous issue with his media image and he basically says you know they built me up into a monster right to the point where you know Bugliosi says at one point that a look from him stopped a watch and he says he points out that he's been staring at the clocks in the prison as hard as he can and he can't make the clocks in the prison stop right right but that's how like he's very aware of how like they built him up in the media Right, like almost with a superpowers. So it's a great, you know, I just have to pause and just sort of say again, it is such a great scene. Like it's, it's, I know that uh, Ed Kemper is kind of the, the hero of season one in terms of serial killers they talk to, but I, I think this is the best scene of season two so far. Like this whole, yeah. this whole sequence is the best season, the best sequence of season two. And this episode is the best episode of season two. Uh, right. Because it, it has so much build up, it has Kemper in it in a telling scene, and this Manson scene is just incredible. Again, my hat is off to Damon Harriman. Damon, if you are listening, send us an email, mindhunter.companion at gmail.com. We'd love to have you on, but holy cow, did you hit it out of the park today? Um, so, uh, to bring it back to the show, Bill says, Look, you. Bill's not buying this. Bill says, look, you got a bunch of teenagers out in the desert. You gave them drugs, right? Told them you were God, sent them out to kill, right? Right. Um, And Manson just doesn't buy it, right? He says, no, no, no. It was to get Bobby, right? It It was to do copycat killings to get Bobby out of jail, right? And all of a sudden... Right, he there he presents to Holden and Bill a much more mundane motivation for the killings in Helter Skelter. Right, it wasn't to start a race war. Right, it was just to get Bobby Beausoleil out of jail. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is, you know, all of a sudden you can see Holden start to buy it. Like this makes a lot more sense. Right. This was just to get their their fellow you know compatriot out of prison. Right. Which is really interesting because now we've we've really flipped over the narrative on Helter Skelter, right? And Manson says that uh, you know the kids were looking at him with hard eyes, and he felt like maybe he had to do something, or or it's implied that he was afraid he would lose control over the family. Yeah, right. And he's he Manson says he's afraid to disagree with Tex Watson. Right. So he paints himself as a sort of a little bit victim victimized yeah it's interesting it's really and then he starts to blame tex almost right right 
So he says to Tex, you know, you do what your love tells you to do. I'll do what my love tells me to do. It's up to him. So he really blames Tex Watson's, right? He says it was, you know, Holden pushes him. He says it was, it's their plan. They did it. Right. And then Manson says, I'm only responsible essentially for myself. He uses some sort of ridiculous language, but he says, I'm only responsible for me. They went out and did the killing. And then this is the moment where, where Bill starts to decompensate. <laughs> right. And Bill yeah. says, he can't swallow this. Yeah. yeah. He, he's absolutely. When, when Manson starts saying that he's not responsible, then Bill just, right. He right. can't and, take it. Right. And this is, you know, and Bill is worrying about his responsibility and his culpability in Brian's role. Right. And and this is really, I mean, again, you know, Holt McCallany does a great job. You know, we're used to seeing Holden and Bill get it right and be the good guys. And this is this is like Holt McCallany has to play Bill, you know, doing a bad job. Yeah. Right. Not functioning well in his role as an agent and and sort of losing it. Right. So you know, Holden starts to get marginalized in the conversation at this point, right? He starts to direct more and more of his comments back to Bill, right? He says, yeah. Tex was on drugs, wasn't my fault, right? I only went, uh, you know, uh, I was, I couldn't even go in because it was a crime scene. And, and if I got into the crime scene, it would have been a violation of my parole, Right. And then Holden points right. And then Holden points out what you went in at the La Bianca murders. And he said, Well, there I had to go. Yeah. Right. But again, he's he's all blaming Tex, right? He's just he's doing everything he can to put it on somebody else. Tex, Tex, Tex. He did it. He went outside. He made his own circles. Right. And then he makes yeah. fun of the fact that Tex is now a born again Christian. And he's like, Oh, sure, now he's in jail after he killed all those people. Right. He's back to Jesus. But it was all Tex all the time. Right. Uh, and then he says right and wrong. He implies right and wrong is a game. And then Bill pushes back on that and says right and wrong is a game. And then, you know, Manson says, well, right or wrong is just is, you know, there's no right or wrong. It just is. And then in, in a great exchange, and I'm sorry, I'm quoting the episode so much, but it's so good. He goes, there are no right or wrongs, only is is. And then whatever life is, it is. Right and wrong got nothing to do with it. And then Bill says, so the murder of seven people just is? And Manson right. says, well, it is, isn't it? <laughs> right. Know, like, like he sort of like- Isn't it? Yeah. He sort of traps Bill in this like tautology. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like they are dead after all. You know, like right. it, it did happen. Right. Um, and he laughs and, and his laugh kind of sets Bill like Bill looks really distasteful here. Bill's pissed. Yeah. And upset. Right. And then, you know, Bill keeps attacking him. You know, he keeps saying, right. Yeah. They're dead because you murdered them. Right. And then he tries to, he tries to sort of say like, oh, everything is love. And then Bill's not having any of this love talk. And then he says to hold it. How much more of this shit do you want to listen to? Yeah. And, you know, it basically the whole, this is clearly not the point of them trying to interview Manson. They're trying to figure out what's the relationship of Manson to the others. Uh, you know, how did the murders end up happening? 
and in a weird sort of way, Manson's kind of answering them. Like he's not he's not answering them with his words, but he's showing them how incredibly like clever and sly and manipulative and skilled with language he is. Right. And Bill is operating on this sort of base factual level, arguing with Manson about who's responsible rather than interacting with Manson in a way to figure out how Manson sees things, how he sees other people in the in the group and what happened from his perspective and how he recruited them. And Bill's not doing any of that. No, no. Bill's he's arguing with him to to basically try to make him responsible for everything. Right. He starts to call him names. He says, you're a coward, Charlie. You're not taking responsibility for your actions, you know? Um, And, you know, Manson just wants none of it. Like he, like he's just so ready for everything. And, you know, he's, he, he says, though, you eat meat and, you know, you chew meat with your teeth and then you say your children are killers, you know, and he says, you're the killer. And Manson says, I have killed no one. Right. You know, like he is, you know, Manson went through his whole trial. He's thought about this for years. Right. Right. And, uh, he says, I didn't direct anyone to do anything other than what they wanted to do. And Bill says, well, you didn't stop them. And then, and then Manson pulls the real trigger and he starts talking about children again. Yeah. Right. And, and Bill's already kind of like, you know, driving, Bill's already off the road, driving down a steep embankment, you know, when this (laughs) comes up and he says, Manson says, I always let children go. If he falls, that is how he learns. They become strong by falling. And then Bill says, well, you're not supposed to let children fall. You're supposed to guide them. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, you can really see this conversation that Manson says, guide them, guide them into what? Into what you've guided them into? Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, that's really like he punches Bill between the eyes. He doesn't even know it. You know, Manson knows nothing about Brian. Right. And then. um, Nobody does. Right. Exactly. Right. And then, right, in the piece de resistance, Bill says, you fucking midget. And and Holden Holden is wide eyed and he goes, Bill, you know, like he this is it. Like like we've we this is, whole thing is ruined now. You know, like this like we're we've just we've blown it. And Bill's Holden sees how how affected Bill is and how he's not objective at all. And what does yeah. Manson do when he gets called a fucking midget? He laughs. Yeah. Right. Right. Because Manson knows I got him. I got him. I got to this guy. Right. right? Yeah. He's defenseless now. Right. Yeah. Manson says, I'm just, I'm just prisoner number, you know, whatever. Like, that's <laughs> right? all I am, buddy. Yeah. He says, I'm tired of being your reflection. Right. Like, right. he says, you look at me and you just see yourself. Yeah. Right. Uh, which literally which, in this case, right? Exactly. Right. And then he, he like, just like you said, he said, I'm not even a person anymore. I'm just a number, right? I just follow the instructions in the prison. Yeah. What are you putting on me? <laughs> like, why are you getting pissed at me? You're really pissed at yourself. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. And he says, you want a fiend because that's what you are. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, at this point, like, he's just looking at Bill, like, Holden ceases to exist at this point in the interview. Yep. And he is just, 
he is just just layering into Bill. They get back to, um, you know, Bill says, well, look, you ordered them to kill seven people, eight if you count an unborn baby. Um, And, you know, Manson, like, he doesn't even care, right? He's, He's just so beyond Bill's sort of recriminations and stuff like that. Right. And it and yeah. Bill's sort of anger and, and vitriol just goes nowhere. And then Manson says, I'm free. You know, he right. goes, you know. You're the one that's in prison. <laughs> right. I'm free. This prison is a state of Bill, mind. Right, exactly. And then he says to Bill, he said, You look like a composite of what someone told you you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really cutting. Yep. You know, he says you got pain on your face and there's the, he when Which he says true. that. Yeah, and Bill is really pinched, you know, like Bill's like jaws clamped down and and that's it and Bill ends the interview really quickly like Bill is done. And I think Bill realizes that he's 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 really come out of this poorly. Yeah. I think he's so pissed he doesn't even fully realize <laughs> how useless it's been. And then this is such a great bit. Before, without even a word, Manson reaches over the table and he takes Holden's pen and he inscribes Elder Skelter. Yeah, I don't. You don't see it till later, right? No, don't you don't know what he writes, but he writes yeah. something on the front page of the book, and uh, he asks for Holden's uh, sunglasses, which we mentioned in the last episode that Holden is conspicuously wearing when he walks in. Yeah, and uh, Holden is all too happy to gift his sunglasses to Manson. Right. Between being (laughs) starstruck to begin with and being shell-shocked by how poorly things have gone, Holden is completely at a loss. (laughs) So Manson says, hey, man, I love your sunglasses. Can I have them? And he says, uh, (laughs) sure. (laughs) You just sounded like like Beavis when you said that. (laughs) Uh, Sure. Uh, and Manson, you know, they walk out and Manson is smiling and happy with his new sunglasses. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, you know, if you think about it in the whole interview, you know, Holden gets about three words in the whole time, practically nothing. Right. And Holden, when he does talk, he's trying to get content. Like he's trying to conduct the interview the way that they're supposed to. Yeah. Uh, and then they're out in the hall and Bill is just irate you know he says the guru of munchkinland can fuck off straight to hell as far as i'm concerned you know and bill realizes like i'm sorry holden realizes like he can't even talk to bill right now he's so mad yep you know and then a guard gives them a shout right right as and he runs over out. with his sunglasses right and he says that uh manson was bragging that he stole them from him and in fact you know, he asked for them and hold them, gave them willingly. Yeah, handed them right over. Right. So that, uh, but they realized that Manson was able to take that and turn it into, I got one over on the FBI. And even though he gets in trouble for it, we learn he's being sent to the hole. You know, in Manson's eyes, it was worth it because he built up his reputation at the prison again. Hey, I pulled one over on the FBI. Right. Well, that kind of shows how, that gives you a clue how manipulative Manson is. So it right. makes you wonder how much you know it casts his seeming credibility you know a different light after that because then you wonder you know was any of what he said true even though mm-hmm. it seemed truthful you, yeah. you gotta wonder 
And then when they're driving away, right, they show them back in the government issue car or the rented car, whatever it is, driving away. And, you know, Holden is sort of gripped by this idea that, you know, maybe Helter Skelter is all a myth. And, and, you know, it makes much more sense. And Manson was forced to go along with Texan Sadie's copycat crime and, you know, fear losing control of the family than that they were trying to, you know, start a race war from the White Album. Right. Right. And all of a sudden, everything is put into a different uh, context, right? That, that, you know, this story that Billy Osi cooked up, Helter Skelter, maybe that'll just sell better to a, a jury, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then B- Holden wants to take this to the next step. Holden wants to talk to Tex Watson, right? He says, he goes, he's only an hour away. Let's go, let's go find him. And then Bill is really short with him. Yeah, right. Bill says he's got to go home. Right, and we don't, you know, Holden doesn't know that he's got to be there for the social worker. Yeah. Right, so he says, if you you want to do this interview, that's fine, but I got to be able to trust you. Like, you're not going to, you know, put in a poor showing, which is ironic considering the poor showing that uh, yeah. that Bill just put in. Um, so there's a nice little scene that comes up right after this where um, – Bill realizes he's going to miss his flight. Yeah. Um, And then uh, he's at SFO, San Francisco airport, and he runs in and even, he even shows his badge to the woman at the Braniff desk to see if, if they can hold the plane. Yeah. And you actually see, by the way, you actually see his plane take off in the background as he's running to the building. They conspicuously show his plane take off. And he says, could you hold the plane? And the, the woman says, I'm sorry, sir, it's gone. And then Bill realizes, like, he's stuck, right? Yeah. There's a there's a 10 p.m. flight. There's a red, red eye. eye. Yeah, that, yeah. Right? And, you know, he's got to sit there at the airport for five hours, then take a red eye just to get home for the social worker meeting with his right. wife about Brian. Right. And he's going to just make it and have no sleep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bill's had a really bad day here. Yeah. So uh, we jump forward uh, to the next day, um, and uh, it's uh, Nancy with the psychologist who's working with the social worker, and uh, Bill is late, but Bill manages to just sort of like burst in looking like he hasn't slept. He's clearly wearing the same clothes. Right. He, he just ran back from the airport. You know, like, he, and he gets in right when, right, like two minutes into their appointment. He, you know, he clearly has just run in. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, the visit actually goes okay. Like, this guy is not as hostile to them as a social worker is. Yeah. Um, and he kind of understands where the tensions are coming from. He's not he's so a, abrasive. He's also impressed when, of course, Bill tells him where he just was. <laughs> yeah you know, it's funny like i you know i guess when you're an fbi agent you can play the fbi card well especially with the psychologist who's professionally and personally interested and he tells them you know he studies basically multiple murderers psychopaths and he he just uh he just flew in a few hours ago he was talking to charlie manson Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He goes, why exactly were you late? And he just has to tell him. And the guy says, like, 
you spoke directly with Charles Manson? <laughs> and he's like, uh-huh. I was just there. That's why I'm late. <laughs> and the guy's like starstruck. Right, right, right. Sort of shades of Holden, right? He's really excited, you know. But yep. uh, it shows you that, you know, like, like, you know, Bill's got his, he's got his act together for this, you know. Yeah. And he realizes that, hey, I can curry some favor with this guy. Yeah. You know, and he says, could you share any tidbits, he asks Bill. Right. And Bill's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, buddy. Um, and then we cut to Holden and Tex. Uh, now, so Holden has driven an hour south or an hour wherever. And here he is interviewing the all-American boy, uh, Tex Watson. Right. And he says, Tex begins by saying, you know, Charlie just created this persona that we all believed in that he was a prophet, you know, uh, and he says that Manson could convince you of things, right? Like he sort right. of gives, he gives voice or credence to this idea of how convincing Manson could be. Right. You know, and he also talks about how like, look, he gave you drugs, you know, like that, you know, they were drugs. stoned all the time. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, it was, it made things Manson said even more believable, you know, yeah. more convincing. Um, and, and also, uh, you know, that, that he was sort of miserable and, you know, um, he was sort of a miscreant, you know, this sort of unhappy guy, miserable and, and Manson knew how to make them feel like they belonged and ply them with drugs and, you know, it was uh, like he didn't fully realize what was happening. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, like he would have them practice against uh, an empty chair, like screaming at people, right. Yeah. Trying to terrify people when it was just an empty chair so that when they went out to go do stuff, they were they kind of prepared. Desensitized. Yeah. yeah. Right. He called it creepy crawling when Charlie sent them out to break into people's homes, move things around, right. Take risks. Right. Yep. So they got used to engaging in this sort of dangerous behaviors and all the while, right. They're getting all sorts of drugs from Charlie. Right. And that implies that, you know, Charlie, that this is entirely premeditated. So what Texas painting, the picture completely really opposite of what Manson's saying. Right. Even to the point that that text explicitly says that uh, Manson talked about Helter Skelter all the time. And he says, from the moment I met him, Charlie was talking about a race war. Yeah. Right. So now Holden is not sure what to believe. Like he's getting very, very mixed accounts. Right. Diametrically opposed accounts. And both of which seem, by the way, quite believable when he's in the moment talking to the uh talking to the two different um criminals with the two different viewpoints that are they both seem very believable. Mm -hmm. And and you know, Tex makes the point that Charlie convincing the world is gonna end. So he says if there's no tomorrow, then there's no consequences. Yeah. Right. So um you know, and Holden, you can see, is confused. Like he's Holden's really leaning into the interview, right? Like, yeah, he he's not sure what to make of this because you know this doesn't go. There's no mention of Bobby Beausoleil. There's no mention of anything that Manson had talked about. It's entirely discordant, right? 
Um, so then he, so Holden trying to, he tries, he's stuck now. So he's trying to reconcile these two different accounts. He says, Charlie said, you and Sadie came up with the murders to get Bobby Beausoleil out of prison. Right. So he's, so he's, he's working this all. He's trying to work this out. And then Tex just basically responds at, by saying, look, you know, we gotta, we gotta have Helter Skelter. He doesn't, he doesn't buy this version. Right. He doesn't buy right. this 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 uh, copycat killing version of the story, and he says, you know, Manson knew Cielo Drive. It was a good place to go, you know, and and he sent us, but Manson didn't want to get his hands dirty. Right, that wasn't his way. Right, and Texas telling a story much more along the lines of what the DA said. Yeah, right. Um, so you know he. They're just, it's just, it's you and the viewer and Holden are left trying to reconcile these two things, right? Tex says that Charlie told him to kill everyone and make it gruesome, right? Right. Uh, and, you know, Watson admits he did it. Like, Watson is not, you know, he's not in denial about stuff. Like, he's very upfront about the fact that he committed the murders, you know? And you yeah. can see that, you know, unlike Manson, you know, Tex has remorse, like, and regret. Like he feels bad about it. Yeah. You know, he acknowledges that I was high on drugs and I, I don't remember it well. And I was, you know, stoned out of my mind, but you no, know, he still, he still says I did it. Well, the, they do a good job the way they edit this together because you, you're put in a whole, in, in Holden's shoes in that, you, you start to believe Manson and then basically the next scene you start to question Manson because you get this diametrically opposed viewpoint and this, so you get, you're as confused as Holden is. You don't know what to think. And it's in your surprise that the way Holden is, um, because right, this, exactly. Tex is telling you the opposite story. Tex seems just as believable as Manson, if not more believable. Because he's not dramatic. He just quietly sort of describes things. Right. Exactly. And, and you know, it's, it's almost disarming to Holden. Yeah. Right. After Holden's the huge confrontation. Confused. Right. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I guess this is supposed to be the next day, right? Because we right. see this after, after Bill and Nancy at the psychologist. Right. Um, um, but he's, you know, he's, you know, Tech says, I sinned and I have repented and, you know, I'm religious now and, you know, God has forgiven me. And he gives some details about the murders and they're pretty, you know, pretty gruesome. And that's also rather believable the way he says it. He doesn't remember everything, but he gives these sort of terrible little anecdotes about aspects of the stabbing that he remembers. Also believable. Yeah. You know, you said you didn't see... um I'm just going to make a side comment for a second. You said you didn't see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, you know, I got to tell you, I mean, I know Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a big budget thing with Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio and Quentin Tarantino. But, like, this is such a more satisfying exploration of the Manson phenomenon than that was. And that and that that movie is essentially a, like, a, like a wish fulfillment fantasy of if things had gone different hmm. you know, with a sort of a raucous ending. Uh, but like this is such a more intelligent and thoughtful and an insightful uh, 
way to kind of explore Manson than Tarantino took. Like I, I'm telling you, like I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will disagree with me, but I was really let down by Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like I just I thought that I thought that uh, it was like they really took the easy way out. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, but uh, just to get back to Holden and Tex. Um, you know, it's true, like you say, you know, Holden, he really describes, you know, the murders, right? He talks about running around and screaming and stabbing people and shooting people. And, um, you know, like he, he only says a few words about it, but you're able to kind of in your mind envision what a, what an awful scene it must have been. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> um, you know, and they even talk about like, Abigail Folger, heir to the Folger's coffee fortune, who uh, he stabbed. And Holden points out that you didn't just stab her. You stabbed her 28 times. Right. And he doesn't deny it. You know, he says, he says it's true. Um, one of the people there had 51 stab wounds. Think about that. Right. They were highly violent crimes. Right, right. And, let's, they're, let's... and they're totally just high off their gourds. What were you going to say? I was going to say, let's skip because we still have, you know, some time left. Let's go over to, let's go to the, you know, and then back in Washington. Um, when he can, when he finishes, you know, this, so he finishes his interview with Tex and then they cut right to Wendy listening right. to the tape. Right. But the only thing that's worth, that's worth just before we finish up is he, at the end of the interview, he explicitly says, Charlie told us to kill them all, and I did what Charlie told me, right? So, I yeah. mean, you know, that's an important thing. Like, he, he right. really does put it on Manson at the end, right? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so then we actually cut back to... Um, the conference room, and they're listening to the tape i think of tex right right and then and wendy says that well he just exchanged the belief system of manson to christianities right another insightful Uh, wendy comment yeah and then wendy points out that she doesn't think manson's a total loss like she actually thinks that they got they got a lot out of the interview right and they talked about how like wendy's able to sort of see like how she could control people just from listening to him you know um, and, and she she brings up the idea that what if Helter Skelter is not about a race war at all? Maybe it's just a way for him to control the family, right? Right. right? It's, so, like, again, that's a way of reconciling that Manson maybe really did bring up Helter Skelter, right? Maybe, maybe it really is true that he was saying this to people, right? And they, the, the family calls his bluff. Like, he's talking about all this stuff, and then the family says, okay, let's go out and do it. Right then, all of a sudden, his authority is threatened, and yeah. uh, he's got to act. Right? Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I don't know. It, it, you know, it's interesting. Like they're also, you know, it's funny because like they're so dispassionate. And even Bill has sort of gotten his, you know, he's calmed down. Bill's sitting with his feet up on the desk while they're having while they're listening to the tape of Tex. Um, right, and they talk about the sunglasses. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, it's interesting that like, you know, in the heat of the moment, it's one thing. And, you know, even Wendy has learned this season that in the heat of the moment, when you're talking to these people, like stuff can happen. 
Um, and then Holden recounts the sunglass episode, right? Yeah. To sort of show how he was willing to get in trouble just to look powerful. Um, you know, sort of again showing how manipulative Charlie is. And basically, you know, Charlie's probably manipulating people 24 hours a day. Like he can't turn it off. That's his talent. Right. Yeah, that's his that's his, that's his really his talent, right? Yeah. Right. And and Wendy Wendy points this out that the people that Manson found were young, submissive, alone, people with potential, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Manson took away their fear and let them act, right? Right. In terrible ways, but he still let them act. Right. And yeah, Tex even describes yeah. exactly how he did that by sort of a process of indoctrination and indoctrination and desensitization step by step to crimes. Mm -hmm. Right. Plus drugs. Plus drugs. Um, and, you know, uh, Agent Smith really says nothing in the scene. You know, like he's like they're all way ahead of him in this scene. He's busy composing his next letter <laughs> in his head. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay, and then we uh, we uh, party time, right? Party time, party time at uh, at Gunn's house, right? Where uh, <laughs> right. Holden is uh, Holden, Wendy, and Bill are invited, but Agent Smith is not. Right. Um, and then uh, uh, Wendy shows up just as Bill is arriving, uh, and uh, they go in. Uh, and and you could tell Wendy is kind of hoping to see Nancy, but he says, "No, I'm not not bringing not bringing her here." Uh, and they, no one looks happy to be going to this party, especially Bill. Like Bill really looks <laughs> like he doesn't want to be there. Yep, but Bill knows why he's going. Yeah, and he's has going to go right. They're trotting him out to right in front of the assistant director of the FBI, Wyman. Right. He's being trotted out in front of the brass to tell stories to sort of uh, make them look favorable, to give little tidbits about murderers and Manson and sort right. of make them look good. And Gunn explicitly says it to Bill. Like he tells right. him at the door, like, this is why you're here. He says they want to hear war stories. Yep. Um, and then uh, uh, Gunn makes kind of. Uh, uh, a big error <laughs> with Wendy here. Oh, that guy is like harassing her. Right, right, right. He he totally, you know, he still doesn't realize Wendy's orientation and he tries to pawn Wendy off on this guy, Warren, who... What like, a creep. Takes, yeah, and he takes one look at Wendy and all he wants to do is get her out of there so that he can basically bang her. Yeah, and he's like, he's so relentless. He, first of all, he's super obvious. There's no ramp up. He's like, hey, baby, let's go. Like, that's your second, now that's your second Beavis imitation well, that of the was episode. Butthead, butthead. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, baby. Hey, baby. Well, that was like direct, you know, butthead. <laughs> the other one was unintentional. Okay. And, uh, and Wendy could not be colder to him. <laughs> Like this guy is undeterred. Yeah, and Wendy sends him like no signal after no signal after no signal. Um, right, and he is just not not getting it. You know, he doesn't care. No, he doesn't care at all. He's crazy. Cre he's creepy. 
Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, it's funny because he and he in some way, like he's creepier than Ed Kemper. He is, yeah, he's really creepy. <laughs> like I was I found myself thinking like this is a perfect example of what women probably, you know, deal with all the time. You know, like that are like a little bit probably not don't realize that much. Right. Right. And yeah. And, and, and he, and you get the sense too, that he's probably been successful with this approach enough times that when he meets resistance, he's, he keeps going. Yeah. So then we cut to bill and AD Wyman. Uh, and bill is kind of in his element here. Like bill is able to schmooze. He delivers the goods. Right. And he delivers the goods, not just in front of Wyman, but also in front of gun. Yeah, right? he talks about Berkowitz, right, and um, you know some of the other people that they've been with. They're all drinking. They're kind of hitting the booze pretty hard, right? And it's going very, very well. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back to Warren, who is still, <laughs> still hitting on Wendy so hard. He says, "I'd like to be alone with you." Yeah. It just I mean, gets gradually creepier. Like they just Yeesh. met two minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, and she goes, uh, uh, Warren, no, thank you. Right. She just flat out tells him no. Mm-hmm. Right. And then who shows up? Holden. Right. <laughs> Holden just cluelessly walks in, has no idea what's happening. Right. Yeah. When he tries uh, to use that as a way to get rid of the creep. Right. Right. Exactly. Unsuccessfully. And, and then, right, <laughs> right, and then she she jumps to the bathroom. She breaks away and says, "I'm going to the bathroom." And he takes her glass and says, "All right, I'll I'll go refill your drink." And she's like, "Damn it! Like I still got to interact with this guy." Right, right. And Holden has no idea that any of this is going on. Right, uh, and then Holden sort of shows up at the bar just as Bill is talking about Manson. And then Bill doesn't want to get into Manson. And he says, Holden, you take over. And then Bill runs away. And then all of a sudden, Holden is trying to hold court in front of these people who have been used to Bill's sort of like down home, right, boozy stories. And what does Holden do? He launches into a lecture. Yeah. He He starts pontificating like he's in front of a classroom. Not exactly well done yeah everybody's faces fall people start to walk away literally like they show people turning around and walking away because holden is so dry and boring and gun is annoyed yeah you know like like we were doing so well a second ago um and then there's a really a great scene at the end of the episode where where wendy runs out the door just to physically get out of the building yeah, she's escaping this the creep. Right. She, and and then, so Bill and Wendy have a chat outside. Right, uh, while he's smoking, right? Yeah. And, you know, Bill sort of acknowledges how difficult it is to be here for him. Um, and then Wendy talks about how, you know, he understands that the guy who is hitting on you is, you know, sleeping with a lot of the agent's wives and secretaries. And, you know, that's just how... That's just how this guy is, and he's a known quantity. And they sort of have a lighthearted moment where they actually share a cigarette with each other. Yeah. Um, and Bill sort of acknowledges that, you know, 
he didn't like the fact that he was being used as a salesman. Right. Right. Kind of felt taken advantage of. It's a good scene, you know, like Bill and Wendy don't interact much outside of work. Right. And it leads to sort of this moment of honesty where Bill finally mentions what's going on with his son. Right. He more than mentions it. He flat out tells her like he like he finally has to talk to someone. Right. And um, he, he acknowledges that Brian was there when older boys suffocated a toddler. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's a great moment because, you know, you can see that as big a moment it is for Bill, it's almost bigger for Wendy because she can't believe that he's telling her this. Yeah. He's really opening up to her. Um, and, you know, he gives her some details. He tells her about the cross. You right. Know? And Wendy is just shocked. And, uh, you know, Bill spills that, you know, we're under the microscope now, social workers, psychiatrists, you know, like it's, it's really bad. And uh, he acknowledges that Nancy's doing poorly. Like it's a really good scene. Like, you know, it's Bill at the end of this terrible episode where nothing has gone Bill's way, right? From all the troubles with the social worker to Manson to missing his flight to this awful thing at this party where he basically has to whore himself out for gun. You know, like nothing has gone well for him this whole episode. Bill finally gets like, you know, he gets to decompress or let some steam off. And he he tells Wendy the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they go back in. Yeah. It's a great scene. And and actually, you know, as much as it's Bill's scene, I think Anna Torf kind of, kind of steals it like her facial reactions are so good you know i'm not an actor i've never acted a day in my life but they always say you know acting isn't acting acting is reacting yeah and like she's stunned clearly she's stunned that like this is hitting so close to home and bill is talking to her and uh you know like it's such a horrible thing and, and in a weird sort of way it's bill also saying to her like you're my friend you know yeah like, cause at work, like Bill kind of blows everybody off all the time. Like, you know, Bill like grabs his briefcase. He's like, bye everybody, you know, see you tomorrow. And right. like Wendy realizes that like, you know, he took a big risk and he wouldn't have done that if, if they weren't friends. It's a great scene. Yeah. Uh, they go back inside uh, just for a minute. Uh, Warren again. <laughs> he keeps creepy, keeps going. Yeah, and even to the point where she says, I don't feel good, I'm leaving. And he says, I'll drive you home. And she says, no. And then he, she just kind of runs. Walks. Yeah, she says, I'm going to see myself out. I insist. And she really kind of, like, she has to really cut into him to get him to understand. Uh, and then Bill gets a little good news uh, that, uh, that Wyman wants him to speak at the FBI retreat which is some sort of big plum that you could tell Bill is just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, you he know? wants him to trot out more stories because right. Bill's so good at it. Yeah, but, uh, but you know, he's a good soldier, Bill, and he's going to do <clears throat> he's going to do what's asked of him. Right, and then he illustrates that because he comes back in and Holden is still there, boring them, and Bill right. like busts back in and takes off 
telling them more amusing anecdotes. Yeah. And then I think there's a really nice scene uh, at the end where we see Holden home alone, right? Holden yeah. back in his apartment, like the dinner is over. Um, uh, you know, and, and Holden's apartments, you know, it's pretty sterile, you know, like once again, we are feeling Debbie's absence in Holden's life, you know, his, just his little crummy apartment. And, you know, he gets a call from Barney, right? The agent in Atlanta, uh, who tells him that they found another body. Uh, and then it, it, he goes to take out a, a his little notebook to write something down, right? Because all of a sudden he's getting information about another case in Atlanta. And in doing so, he uh, he opens up Helter Skelter where he had his little notebook and he sees Manson's inscription. And Manson has written on the front page, each night as you sleep, I destroy the world. LAUGHTER <laughs> Uh, and and it's signed in script Charles Manson. Uh, yep. And uh, and then we are we fade to black. I mean, holy crap! One episode. Yeah, I know. They could easily made this in a two. I mean, by the way, what a great thing to have. Yeah. You know, inscribed by Manson. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's priceless. It's yeah, priceless. It's killer. <laughs> Um, this, by the way, was uh, the story for this episode is by Pamela Cedarquist, who wrote the teleplay with Liz Hanna, and this was directed by Andrew Dominic. I'm I'm telling you, this is the best episode of season two so far, hands down. It's yeah. just incredible. Um, they really, really, really outdo themselves, and so much happens. I mean, like. That took, I mean, that just, that took us, you know, it's funny because you said in the, in part one that we weren't going to take 71 minutes to, to do this episode. We took Oops. way more, <laughs> but you have to, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's it, you know, they, dense, they, dense yeah, episode. and they put so much into it. Like we owe them, you know, we owe them the, the courtesy of really teasing the this all apart. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> sort of like, like to tease it all apart because it goes by so fast. And usually I watch the episodes once, but this episode I watched twice uh, because there's just so much to it. They do such a good job. Whew. Um, well, I think we should probably wrap there. Yep. Um, and we will be back uh, next time for season two, episode six again uh always remember you can email us at uh, mindhunter.companion at gmail.com or alternatively you can reach us at our generic email popcorn drink combo at gmail.com all right thanks peter thanks Tug. <laughs>